have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. We are back and it is week number three on the I Know You Hear Me pod with me, Flynn Hendricks. And guys, before we get started today, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's taken the time to listen to our first two episodes, to send me messages on social media, text messages, calls, and just tell me how much they're enjoying the pod and how much they enjoyed my interview with Chris Michaels or the topic of marriage on episode one. So thank you for that. And please tell your friends, share the pod, and if you have questions you want answered, if you know a guest that you want on, send it my way and I'll see what we can do to help you out. But... Back to today's guest. Today we've got my little sister in improv, Jennifer Silverman. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. Going into this conversation, there were still a lot of things I didn't know about Jen. I didn't know about her story and her struggles with anxiety. And I was curious to find out what she's done to avoid burnout and keep the passion going while she's constantly auditioning and how she deals with the rejection of when she doesn't get an audition. So she's a little bit further along in the VO game than I am. So even though I may quote unquote be her big improv brother and she's my little sister, she's been a guiding force for me and my VO journey as well. So just hearing her share her story and her outlook on things was a definite eye-opening experience for me as well. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview and we'll be back right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his times in the territories with PG-13 to his times in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major podcast formats. And we're back here on the line with me. I have got Jennifer Silverman. If you're familiar with the VO community on Twitter, on Instagram, or any of social media, then you've probably seen her as a familiar face all over there. She is someone that I would consider my little sister in improv, and over the last year, I have really watched her grow and develop into a confident actor and performer, and I'm seeing that now as she's booking more roles, booking more gigs, and just crushing it in everyday life. So it's my absolute pleasure to have her here on the I Know You Hear Me pod. Jen, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. I'm trying not to cry for that introduction because that was so sweet. <laughs> ah, that's the only time I'll ever be nice. Yeah, I know. Usually you rag on me in improv all the time, so it's fine. Well, I mean, it, it goes both ways, and Denzel, when he's in the country, will do the same. Yes. <laughs> all right. So how's everything going on your end on this fine Tuesday night? Going okay. I'm a little tired. I have a little bit of sun poisoning because I went out to the pool today and it was really hot, but I'm trekking. I'm doing all right. 
good, did some good. auditions, did a little bit of driving because I just got my license last week. Congratulations, congratulations. Thank you. And like you said, getting some auditions in, I mean, I think every time we talk, you're getting them left and right, getting them left and right. And you make it a point to just get them done just like that. Is that something that yeah. has just been ingrained in you from the get-go? Is that something that you picked up? Like, what gets you on them that quick? I think it's a mix of things. I think a lot of it has to do with my anxiety and my mom in the back of my head saying, if you're going to do something, do it right and get it done. Otherwise, I'm going to be thinking about it the rest of the day. So if I just do it, set it, forget it, then it's a lot easier for me because the auditions come in the same way they come out. So especially if you're on a pay-to-play website, they're just going to keep coming. And usually what will come out to me first, I'll want to do. So like if there's like a little sloth girl because I love sloths and I – do little girl voices mm -hmm. um i'll go for that one first whereas a, like a law firm or a telephony thing i'll save that for last unless the proposal limit which is the amount of proposals they're accepting is getting very high or over the limit i want to be in that first 25 bracket absolutely because prone to listen to you more right right and that's something i've heard as well so in a situation like that where you have all of these auditions coming in, you mentioned, you know, dealing with the anxiety. How do you not get overwhelmed in that? How do you just keep going through all that? There's always going to be some sort of being overwhelmed and there's going to be some dry spells. But the overwhelmness is just part of the gig. If, if you get burned out, then you just take a breather, relax, come back to it. And then just start over because there'll be times where I'll wake up in the morning. I'll see 10 to 14 and even some that I missed. But then that night, it'll be back up to 10 to 14 again. I'll be like, okay, I have a choice here. I get that 100%. It's like, do I have to do these auditions or do I get to do these auditions? It sounds like it's all in the mindset for you as well. Exactly. And sometimes it's better to just not do the ones that you're uninterested in because if a client likes you and they hire you for that chemistry audition that you don't know what the heck you're saying, you're going to be stuck with that client and the client's not going to know that you hate it. And then eventually they might drop you because they'll catch on eventually. Right. And then it's kind of like hurt feelings on both ends and it's best to just avoid that from the get go. And it busts your algorithm. Oh, 100%. Because if your, specialty, if your specialty is video games and animation and you're doing audiobooks, womp womp. <laughs> and I think, I know starting out for me, I didn't necessarily think of it that way. I just looked at it as every audition I got, I had to just, I had to audition for, I had to do it. And mm -hmm. like you were mentioning burnout, I know that was a big thing for me because it happened. I think... We even talked about it in one of our improv sessions. It just, oh, yeah. you burn yourself out because, like you said, you're not finding the ones that you enjoy. You're not finding your niches. You're just going at it full tilt, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent. And you can literally burn yourself out on something you enjoy doing, and that is not fun. I mean, when you're just starting out and you want to just practice and audition for everything, like Casting Call Club or Behind the Voice Actors, mm -hmm. you could definitely do that. 
like I, I would encourage people to just keep practicing for auditions. But once you find your niche and the commercials that you've been prone to and the animations you've been prone to, you'll learn, okay, this part isn't right for me. I'll let someone else do it. Absolutely. And you're not wasting your time and you're not wasting the client's time. Bingo. And I mean, the thing I've always heard is, and this was something that was really hard for me. I was skeptical of it at first, just coming from the world I did with independent and professional wrestling. There literally is a place for everyone in the world of voiceover. I was so Mm -hmm. skeptical about that because I was so used to people just being on pins and needles and insecure trying to guard their territory. And they just, they didn't want anybody new to come in. They would do everything they could to protect their spot and just kind of gatekeep, so to speak. But, I mean, here in VO, as soon as I got into the community, it was like an outpouring of people, including yourself, that were just like, man, how can I help? Or what advice can I give? Or look out for this, you know, this guy that's doing auditions because he doesn't pay. Like, there was a legit family feel to it. And that was, like, awesome. But then my guard was so up, like I said, based off all my experience there. But then it wears you down, and you you get to know these people, and it really does have that family feel, and it sets in that, man, there is something for everybody. Like, Yeah, as a theater major, I felt the same way because I'm self-conscious about my weight, and I cannot dance. And in the Broadway right? realm, you need to be a triple threat, which is acting, singing, and dancing. I call myself a double threat, which is singing and acting because Mm -hmm. I can't dance to save my life. Uh, And then I thought about it. I was like, why can't I do voice acting? That would be, you know, why didn't I think of that before? And when I went to a convention, they were sponsoring Edge Studios, which is, I I guess I'll call it my alma mater for voice acting. Okay. I got started. And, yeah, everyone was so kind. Like, everyone is just a sponge in voiceover. You take in what you get, and then you just want to give it to someone else because everyone starts the same. No matter what their branch of voiceover is, they all start the same. What do I want to do in voiceover? Where do I want to begin? Who do I want to coach me? What acting classes do I take? And then once you find that and you get into your – your zone and your hustle, you're going to find that it's a lot easier than you let on. You just need to put that foot forward and then you'll be great. Absolutely. And I know one of the biggest things for me, like not just in this, but in, in life as well is the patience of it. How do you Mm -hmm. stay patient? Because like you said earlier, there are dry spells that will come and go. How do you deal with those? Uh, we're actors for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was something that I was just like dreaming of. And then I see all my friends online and I'm just excited for them getting these roles. And I'm just like, when's it my turn? But then you realize I'm a voiceover baby. Three years is nothing. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm, I think we've talked about this too. I'm still trying to process that. I've only been auditioning for barely over a year. And I think my actual start date I figured out was your birthday, which is just this weird little tie into everything. But like, it feels like it's been so much longer because you're hustling so much. Absolutely. Because it's never ending every day. You're auditioning, you're looking into things, what you new things, old things, social media, 
networking, meeting people, just to try to get your name out there. Mm-hmm. There's... And I'm so proud of you because I thought you'd been doing this a lot longer. Oh, like you give thank that you. appearance of just somebody who has the poise and the dignity to just keep going. Oh, I'm a I'm a professional fraud, so it all it all works out. Yeah, so thank you. Acting. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so with the voice acting, um, what led you to to improv with that? Did you do it just to kind of like up the up the VO game or were you looking to branch out, you know, from behind the mic and get on a stage and get on screen too? It's a little of both. Uh, when Jonathan Pitts had said his whose line spiel, like how long it takes, you know, I've always been influenced by that because it looked so much fun. However, every other class I took before Jonathan, you have to take improv for voiceover. You need it. It'll help you tremendously. Absolutely. Because if you freeze, you just go with whatever comes out of your mouth and people, some people will like it. And some people hate it, but you did you. And yep. that'll show your personality. That'll show your growth. Um, I had a class the other day with Kirsten Day. And she was saying about improv. And she's like, how many of you guys can actually do improv? And I'm just sitting there like, oh, my God, we're what, level six now? Right. Something like that. Five, six. Something like that. I can't that. count. Yeah. And it made me realize if I didn't have that class, I wouldn't have been able to keep going and going because we had to introduce our eight-year-old selves. Oh, boy. And how do I get into the head of my eight-year-old self? And I just let whatever come out of my mouth go, and it worked. Now, did you have to actually think about it, or were you able to just actually, like, just take a deep breath and boom, you're, you're ready to go? It was both because the one thing holding me back, apparently, is confidence. And I can relate. I didn't realize that because my anxiety is what holds back the confidence. I so can relate. I, yeah, so if I let go that anxiety, I will take the direction in a snap, and they, will, they won't have any notes. And I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here or anything like that, but I've noticed that once they give me the proper direction, I do they don't say anything. They're just like, that was so good. You'd see, see what happens when you let go. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but it, do you feel like this, the anxiety set in more when you're having to self direct, because then you've got so many, like a, you've got a jungle gym of different directions for how you could see it going. But when you've got that actual direction for what somebody wants, it's easier to zone in, have fun and give yourself a little bit more freedom because you know what the destination is. It depends on how much I want the part. Can if you... I really want the part and I'm eating it, living it, breathing it, mm -hmm. I'm going to overthink it from here until next Christmas. And we really are related then. <laughs> yeah, so if it's something like a telephony where it's like, hi, you've reached 855-703, uh, that's really easy because you're a recording. You're not supposed to sound, you know, natural or i mean some people do want the natural approach which right is annoying because that i'll get into that in a minute but as far as the anxiety sometimes i'll listen back and i'll go eh, that wasn't so good and then sometimes i'll hear it and be like i can hear this on tv i can hear this on the radio i'll submit it 
and then I won't overthink it because I gave it my all. But when it's a character, that's different because it's like what you might think you want for this character is not what the director wants. Right. And then sometimes and then you're getting. I was going to say, and then sometimes they still don't know what they want for that character yet. Exactly. So you're in your own head and the director's head, but you don't even know what the director wants. And sometimes the director doesn't even know what they want until they hear it. And then it makes me wish I'd shaved my head so I don't have hair to pull out. (laughs) I'll get you some wigs. It's fine. Sweet. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and then sometimes the specs drive you crazy because... It'll say something like conversational, but not too announcery. But we do want you to pitch it. So we do still want you to be an announcer, but not this kind of announcer. And it's like, what the? the, There there was a spec on Voices.com a few months back. And they were like, specs, voice actor. Okay. What what kind of voice actor? Or um, the video game one that I had to audition for the other day where it was like Jewish. That okay, narrows it down. That's very broad. Do you want the stereotypical from Queens? Do you want Israeli? Do you want Hasidic? Do you want the, like there's so many different ways you can do it, and that's where the double take comes in. Absolutely. No, I was gonna say I don't do double takes that often unless I really feel like it's needed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll be like, okay, they didn't specify, so I'll do one natural approach and one super happy peppy. I get that. Yeah. Have you had any luck where they give you one direction and then you say, ah, just for fun, I'm going to do it the complete opposite, and then you actually end up booking off that? Have you ever had that happen? Not yet, no. I have not had that happen. I've had it where I was doing an audition for something else, and they cast me for something else because they liked my voice for a different character. Oh, right, right. Which I didn't expect, but I was like, oh, okay, thanks. I'll take it. Yeah. Like, I didn't think I would be getting that children's story arc audition either because it was just for fun. And then they're like, we like you. Can you make animal noises? Can you be a farmer? Can you be all the voices in this story? And I was like, well, I've never done that voice before, but I could try, and they liked it. I love it. So you you never know what they're going to ask for, either. Absolutely. Now, since you have started taking improv, and I guess it's coming up on a year here in just a month or two. I know! It's insane. Have you, have you noticed a difference in your auditions from where you started to, to now with what we've learned from Jonathan in that time frame? Absolutely. Because instead of me focusing on my funny approaches and trying to make the audience laugh, Mm -hmm. I'm staying grounded. I'm focusing on character. And that's the big thing when you're doing character acting. And then it builds the relationship with the other characters and everything Mm -hmm. kind of falls into place based off that. Even in a commercial, if you're playing a mother, I'm not a mother. I mean, I'm a furry cat mother, but... I'm not a real mother as far as actual children, but if I'm talking about my kid that needs vitamins. You know the emotion it's trying to sell by pretending the kid is your cat at that regard. Like, what's going to be the best for Duncan at that time? You know, he's the kid at that point. So the maternal instinct that way kicks in, and you're able to commit to that character. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I love it. I mean, I don't really like the sad ones, like the the cancer patient ones. Oh, yeah. The animals in danger. Like, I try to stay away from those because otherwise I'll start crying on my cook. (laughs) Save these animals, please. And then you book it. Yeah, right? (laughs) But, But, uh, yeah, every audition is a character. You don't realize it, but it is because you're still changing your tone whether you realize it or not. Absolutely. And that's that's actually one thing I learned in commercial coaching is that mm-hmm. that stereotype where a lot of newcomers think it's just reading off the page and making it sound like what you hear on TV. There's actually like a who, what, when, where, and why to everything. Like picture that you're talking to your wife. Picture that you're talking to your friend at the bar. Picture you're the mm-hmm. bartender talking to the the newcomer in town who's ordering a drink. Just all these different character approaches that make it more than just a commercial. There is a character there. There's a setting. There's a scenery. There's an emotion. And, you know, I mean, I think for both of us, the improv has definitely helped us tap into that where we're able to kind of have that give and take for what we have there. We take it, and then we find that emotion to give back to it to make it a more personal read and not just a announcery salesman type, like you said, for some of the other specs that you get for reads and things like that. Exactly. So have you, you've noticed that it's helped you in your, uh, in your auditions and your voice acting. Have you noticed that it's helped with your anxiety out in the real world? Not unless we're taking the class together. (laughs) I gotcha. It's definitely, uh, definitely a release on Monday nights for sure. It's a work in progress. I mean, there are times where like even today, my roommate asked me if I remembered to take the lunches and I stopped dead in my tracks and I was like, uh, Oh shit. No, I didn't. And she was looking at me like, Oh my God, you really did not Now we have to go all the way back home. I said, no, nah, I got them. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, don't do that to me. I said, I'm sorry. She goes, I hate living with an actor. There's your fastball or curveball. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, I guess not so much the improv itself, but the techniques of the improv. Absolutely. And I think I might be on the opposite end of the spectrum with that one because I know, especially in my job, which is very sales-based, when I have to deal with a lot of customer objections, before I started taking improv, I was always, always trying to think three steps ahead of what their question was going to be, what their problem was going to be, and it was an absolute nightmare. But... Mm -hmm. Ever since we started doing this almost a year ago, I've found that it's really helped to lower the stress level a little bit, find some balance and find my center and just be in the moment. And I found that that has not only translated to in this booth that I'm in now, but it's also become more of the everyday life and job aspect. Same with Mm -hmm. wife and kids too, because a five-year-old comes running up to you or a six-year-old now Still not used to that, but, you know, they run up to you and they're freaking out, freaking out, freaking out, and you're trying to figure out, oh, is, is he hurt? Did he have an accident? Did something break? Did something spill? And then it's just like, oh, no, he just wanted a hug, and you're still trying to bring yourself down, but now now it's just like, I'm in the moment. Tell me what you got to do, and then I can respond accordingly. Give me the emo- Give me the problem. Give me whatever you want. I'll take it, and I'll respond. And who knows? I might be happy now that you're giving me a hug because I'm not worried that you're hurt. You know, it's like, it's been a big night and day difference, like 99% of the time. 
yeah with everyone even just the newcomers in our class i've seen a growth in them like there's Absolutely. just something that our bond also when you know who you're bonding with it helps a lot 100 percent. and have you have you noticed like doing these other workshops like i know i've told you guys before like when i've done live improv outside of that that Sometimes I would go in expecting to have the same chemistry with complete strangers that I had with you guys. Have you felt anything like that? Or in, you know, how would you deal with that in some of these classes if it was a something that you encountered? The thing is, we have formed what we've formed in our class. Right. And I don't think there's going to be any class like what we have because we keep going with the levels. Mm-hmm. Every other class we've, uh, we've had that we've been separated from, we're starting at a level one. Right. Or level two, depending. So you're getting people who are in the industry, who have been in it for years, and then you're also getting newcomers. Absolutely. So once you figure out who's at what quote-unquote level, because everyone's path is different, you can form the friendships that way and the bonds that way. Like someone who's new to it, you can give your advice to them. But somebody who has been doing this for years, longer than us, we can ask them. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, uh, what agency are you affiliated with? Do you think you can help me write an email to them? Do you think they would accept it? Whereas somebody who is just starting going, oh, what mic do you think I should use? It's two totally different things. Right. Do you ever feel weird like if you're in a situation like that where you're with someone who's got tons and tons of experience but a newcomer comes to you and asks does it ever feel like man should I be giving you this information when you're right next to so and so or does it make you feel like man I'm just glad that they see me as that person to help is it like one side of the spectrum a double-edged sword how is that for you love that question it makes me so happy when uh somebody asks me personally because in the beginning i didn't know i didn't expect people to ask me right then it makes you realize how much you've learned from your coaches that you can give to someone else absolutely when you think about it no matter how it's worded everyone gives you the same advice exactly so no matter who you're hearing it from, it's gonna circle. So it's gonna circulate. Now, have you dealt with anybody, whether it's somebody asking you for advice or even a coach, where you're saying the same thing but you're saying it differently, but they have it in their mind that it's gotta be that way. It's gotta be the way they're saying it, or it's wrong, even though you're just saying it with like two different words in the phrase. Have you dealt with anybody like that? And how does that like, how do you process that? No, because again, you're going back to creating character. So you're, as long as you're not flexing the advice where it's like, oh, everyone should get a Neumann U87 at some point, you know, where it's like, okay, you need your mic that's best suited for your voice and your your situational studio. Absolutely. And that's actually something that I learned talking to you and a couple other people from our improv group is that you don't always need the Neumann. You know, there are different mics for different people, but you see so many people saying like, oh, this is it. Like, this is the standard right here. Yeah, it's a a top-of-the-line mic, but it may not be the best fit for your voice. It You know, a, a 103 may not work for me, whereas a Rode mic may work for me. Or, 
A Rode mic may not work for you, but a 102 or a 103 works for you. Everybody's got their own fit to it, but it, it's good to know, too, that not everybody is so bullheaded that it's got to be one way and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I did sign up on somebody's roster who asked me for an LCD, a large condenser microphone, which I don't have currently. Mm -hmm. I had the AT2020, which was great. I was booking my first few gigs with that mic. But I'm still doing my research because I live in an apartment. I have neighbors who drive me crazy. And I know I've heard how sensitive the Neumanns are. So I'm very nervous and cautious about getting something like that where I want something. Like, I know an LCD is going to be sensitive no matter what. But if I can turn the gain down and hopefully nobody picks that up, it'll be a lot easier. Right. So I'm still doing my research here and there. I'm looking at the Aston... And I'm also looking at the Austrian 808, I think it's called, mm -hmm. which is the new fad right now. It's like Razors versus Nokia's. Back oh, the, the sidekicks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Here we go again. Blackberries versus sidekicks. Let's <sighs> go with that. Never had either. Never had How either. How old are you guys, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> back in my day. But no, that's a... That's a very smart thing that I hope other people pick up on as well because, like you said, do your research because these mics are very sensitive, especially in different settings. I have been going through updating my booth and working with the engineer that's going to be producing my commercial demo here soon. I sent him raw audio of my booth with just a, a basic condenser mic, and he sent me audio back of things he picked up from that mic that I couldn't even physically hear mm -hmm. in my booth. It's insane how sensitive these things are. So it, it is going to behoove you to do your research and find that mic that works best for you. Because like you said, it's going to pick up on things that you may not hear. You may be recording and not hear it, but your neighbors could be watching TV next door, thin walls. That mic's going to pick up on it, and an engineer could hear that in an audition. But we're sidetracking here. We're sidetracking. Um <laughs> Going back to the audition process, um, like you said, when you find auditions that you were just like 100% invested in, where you eat it, sleep it, breathe it, and you know you jump on that audition, how do you uh, just do the audition, turn it in, and let it go? Like, how do you just do it and not think about it? Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. Sometimes I need my accountability. Uh, accountability to help me and I have a bunch of them if I name dropped we'd be here all night right right I um, know <laughs> you guys included but certain ones I'll just be like okay I'll audition for this one usually if it's the pay to plays I don't really think about it right but if it's something like an anime that I'm auditioning for or a video game that I'm auditioning for, I will overthink it and be like, oh, my God, do you think they liked me? Can you look this over for me? Do you think this is OK? Mm -hmm. I know and we've, we've done weeks. that for each other, too. Yeah. And there'll be weeks that go by like they hate me. They don't like me. Yep. And then two months later, they'll be like, oh, yeah, we want to hear you again. It's like, uh, what? Because we're also cool. in a pandemic, so who the heck knows what's being imported from where? Right. And who's doing what? You know, it could be from France, it could be from Italy, it could be from Japan. You don't know where these are coming from. I auditioned for a Samsung commercial in Singapore. I think it got scrapped. How do you um? How do you deal like with 
not getting the part, do you? Would you rather have them contact you and say, "Hey, we're sorry, we loved your audition, but it wasn't what we were looking for," or would you just rather not hear back? What What is better for you to cope with the? I guess the rejection is the best way to say it. I appreciate the rejection letters in the sense that they took the time to write back to me and tell me no. I appreciate the rejection letters even more when they say, we didn't like you for this role, but we're keeping you in mind for something else. <laughs> Cause I get that quite yep. a lot. Um, but then there's some that it's like, okay, thank you, whatever. And I'll be like, all right, there's going to be other opportunities soon. Christmas time, back to school, right. Halloween. So if it's a dry spell, sometimes it gets to me. You're like, oh, I had a lot of fun doing this audition. And then it's like, oh, okay. And then I see who they got, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Does that make it, like you said, it makes sense. Does that make it easier to cope when you finally hear the person they went with? Like, yeah, that person's the obvious choice, so no wonder I didn't get it. Or is it just... For the most part, there are some times where uh, it's not the voice actor's fault because I'm never going to fault the voice actor. Right. Um, The director where it's like they wanted someone upbeat and then you hear someone going, we're in the mall right now and we're going to buy Bath and Body Works. And it's like, wait, wait, what? Instead of, oh, we're going to buy this new set for the fall. Yay. Like, okay, that was a weird approach. Complete 180. And then there are times where you'll hear the engineering equipment because now home studios are a big thing. I've heard things crash against the mic. I've heard oh, yeah. clicks. I've heard the S's. I've heard it. I don't want to say I've heard it all because there's always something new that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, it really, for the most part, I'll be, yeah, I understand why they picked this person because I'll be listening to the radio and be like, Oh hey, I auditioned for this. Right, yeah, you. Okay, yeah. You hear it, you see it, it, it makes sense at that point. But then it's just like that first initial sting is just like, ah, damn, that would have been cool to book. Oh, as long as it's still not a Duncan that I'm fighting people for, we're good. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I know <laughs> that's uh, you've got the market cornered on that, so yeah. But um, manifesting. Exactly, put it out in the world and it'll happen. I have faith in it anyway. But um, oh, yeah. How did you how did you find your niche in VO? Like how did you find the genres of commercial reads and just different things that fit your character and your personality that you brought that special something to the table on? How did you what was your process for finding that? Well, A being an anime fan definitely helped because you got to see the world over on that side versus mm-hmm. the commercial reads. And you don't know this, but I did children's modeling when I was five years old. Oh, nice. Maybe even a little younger. And I used to go on auditions in the city all the time for commercials, for photos, movie auditions, focus groups. And I hated it because what kid wants to schlep around in the city and do that? I mean, I'm sure there are kids now that are doing that and they're doing great. Well, have you heard of Bobby Hill? (laughs) Yeah, so it's one of those, had I known then what I know now, Mm -hmm. it might have been a whole different ballgame. I could have been a lot further in my career, but I'm not going to, I digress. So, funny story here. 
I need Share to redeem away. myself. I need to redeem myself with Welch's grape juice. The oh. reason being is that was the one commercial that I think I had in the bag. I think the agents loved me. I was cute. I don't know what happened. Um, and the agent comes up to me and goes, tell me, little girl, do you like Welch's grape juice? And apparently I looked him dead in the eye and I said, blech. <laughs> and uh, my mom and my aunt look at each other and they're like, uh, what? My aunt's turned to daddy and she's like, eh, eh, what? <laughs> and uh, needless to say, I didn't get it. I don't know why I said I didn't like Welch's. I don't know why I said Black. I think I just didn't like the name Welch's because it sounded like Squelch's. <laughs> um, I was a weird kid. I'm still a weird kid. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> so I told my commercial coach, Shelly Shinoy, this story. And she's like, okay, we're going to give you a Welch's Grape Juice commercial. And I'm going to tell Welch's if they're listening, if by some miracle or happenstance that they're listening to this and they get a kick out of it. They're like, no, I lied. I love Welch's. Amazing. <laughs> so I need to redeem myself with that. <laughs> Absolutely. And if those at Almighty Welch's are listening, we are accepting sponsors here on the I Know You Hear Me pod, so please have your people contact me and give her a commercial read at the same time. Thank you. I love your grape juice. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to have the commercial read for Welch's now. It's got to happen. It's got to, just got to keep manifesting it. And you got to have the little at the end of it, too. That's got to be in there. So and depending. <laughs> just change it up. Have the blech and be like, when I was a kid, but now you could go from grape juice to wine in like minutes. Yes. So you said your mom and your aunt used to take you around town for these, uh, you know, the child modeling and everything. Is that kind of where you got the bug for it? Like for acting and performing or was there something else that kind of um i was a lot more outgoing as a kid so i definitely wanted to be in the spotlight as a kid and i knew i loved acting and singing i didn't see the modeling and the auditions as that i didn't see the part a to point b i only saw the point the part b right was it kind of like a oh i have to do this because mom's making me type of thing or it just wasn't fun because it wasn't your idea to do it. It wasn't fun because it wasn't my idea. I was in a movie for five seconds, if that. It was a blink and you missed me. Oh. It was called Love Walked In. Uh, it was a really badly reviewed movie. So, yeah. Um, I was a little girl in a costume putting on lipstick. Oh, wow. I remember flirting with the devil, the guy dressed up as the devil. I was five. He was, I don't know, 30-something. <laughs> okay. Uh, Gemini problems. Never mind. We won't get into that. That's a whole uh, other podcast. Part um, two. Part two. <laughs> then there was this Disney Channel movie that I was supposed to be in that we really? had to go to Connecticut for. Oh, wow. It was something about the environment, one of those documentary type movies. And we were going to have a mud fight at the end. Nice. Apparently. The kid messed up the tape, and they got a whole new cast of kids. So that movie, scrapped. I think I was eight at the time, and I think I was just like, Mom, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And was she supportive of that? Or did she just... yeah! 
Okay. She wasn't a stage mom or anything like that. She wasn't anything like that. Not a beauty pageant mom. No, I think she had the connections with the agent. The talent agency, unfortunately, doesn't exist anymore. If it did, I would have messaged that agent a long time ago. Absolutely. And to find her. Um, but yeah, I think it was more like, I'm just a kid. I don't want to deal with this sort of thing. I want to do kid stuff. Right. And I think it worked out for the better that way. Because if you see the drama, the dramatics, and the arts, and the, the celebrity industry, I don't want to get to that level. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you hear too many negatives. You hear more negatives than you do positives. Right. Whereas in the VO world, everyone is supportive of each other. We're a big, like you said, we're a big, happy family. We know where we stand as far as just we know our niches. We know how to help others. Absolutely. And there's going to be something for everyone. There's dubs, there's telephony, there's e-learning, there's even toys. Like yeah. you press the button and those, um, those, and even greeting cards. You you open the card. Whose voice is that? I don't know, but it's awesome. But they got paid for it. Exactly. Man, see that's that's the thing too. Like it's such a wide wide world, but people have just a very minuscule idea of what it really is they think it's just this one or two things but there's this whole broad spectrum that nobody thinks about Mm -hmm. so you know have you ever like had to explain to somebody that you do more than just those one or two generic things that they think voiceover and voice acting is like have you ever just had that conversation and they're like oh and it's like they just lose all interest at that point yeah, because the thing is, they don't realize how much work you have to put in for it. Yep. And it's it's not, it's not I can do a voice, I'm going to be on this TV show. It's like, animation, unfortunately, is the hardest one you can get into. Mm. Disney, Pixar, Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. the absolute most difficult. But 100%. if you're going to keep working your butt off, it's going to happen. It's just... Uh, it's like that right. that meme you see where the guy's digging through the tunnel. Uh, there's there's one on top, one on the bottom, and they're both coming up on that uh, that stack of diamonds at the end. The one guy's mm-hmm. right there, and he just gives up. But here comes the other guy right behind him. He's excited, he's energized, and he's going right for it. It's literally, you've just got to keep plugging away, and those will come. And then once they do come, it's like you hit a you hit a groove, and once it rains, it pours. Like it you feels just... so good. That's that's the money moment, and it's the best feeling when you get to that. But then you just have to remember that feeling when you go through those dry spells, like you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. because they won't last, you know, unless you've just done something completely stupid to get yourself blackballed or something like that. But you've just got to keep plugging away and be grateful and be excited every time you see the auditions roll in. Yeah, someone said, I don't remember who, because a few people have said it, that the auditions is the job, mm-hmm. and the the one you, the one gig is the reward. Exactly. So, I've heard that so many times, I couldn't even give you a, mm-hmm. like, so you're talking about name dropping, we'd be here all night if I mentioned the amount of people I've heard say just that. Exactly, because everyone is taking the same advice and giving the same advice, and once you absorb it, it really does stick with you and make sense. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what keeps you going too, your love for the craft. Absolutely, 
But I mean, paying the sorry. No, go ahead. No, paying the bills is great. Making the money is great, but being able to influence others and help others to be where you are or where you were those three years ago. Absolutely. It's great. Like I'd love to do voiceover coaching in the future when I get some more names under my belt Mm -hmm. because I feel like I can really hone my craft to someone else. Exactly. And the thing is like, and that's actually one of the main reasons I wanted to start doing this podcast is to get people's stories out there because Mm -hmm. everybody's story is unique. Everybody's experiences are unique, but I am 100% confident in saying that there is somebody else out there that has hit some of the same roadblocks that a, Jen Silverman has hit or that a Flynn has hit and they have no idea who to turn and ask about that but if they hear what somebody else has done that may be that little spark of motivation or that might be the little tip that they need to finally get past that point and then the floodgates are open they found that mine with all the diamonds in it like everybody has an experience that can be shared that can help someone else it can help thousands of people tens of thousands millions Somebody can benefit off of one person's story, and that can change their life. Oh, absolutely. And that's, you know, like you said, too, you want to do that with voice acting and with animation. That's 100% the reason I wanted to start doing this. I wanted to give back and, you know, like, have that con experience where someone comes up to me and says, man, you really got me through a tough time, like... All these cartoons. It's, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Trust me. It's gonna happen. It's like, that's... Like I said, yeah, paying the bills is cool. Part of being an adult that we got lied to about that's not cool. You know, we got cheated on that part. But mm-hmm. the experiences you get to have with all these other people where you get to give back to them the same way somebody that you didn't even know at the time probably didn't even know you existed gave to you. That's like the best part of this right here. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, like just knowing you over the last year, your experiences and how you've come to develop, just watching you like, you know, every week in improv, there's a lot of stuff there that people could learn from your experiences. And I think when you do get to that point and start coaching and you're comfortable with that, God, people are going to be lined up at your door. You're going to have to turn them away (laughs) until you find time to do it. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. There's still a long way to go, but when that happens, I'd be more than happy to. Like, I remember uh, meeting Susan Roman at Eternal Con. She's the Sailor Jupiter from Deke, I think. Mm -hmm. And she was so sweet. Like, any voice actor you meet, 90% of the time, they are what you see is what you get. They are humble. They are grounded. They are beautiful people inside and out. Yep. So I remember saying to her, because I had just graduated college at the time, and I said to her, I had done somebody's media studies voiceover project, and I was like, oh, I really like this. Why didn't I think of this before? So I said to her, I said, hey, uh, do you know what it takes to be, like, Can do you know what I can do to be a voice actor? She took my hand and said, look, look me up and look up my classes, Unfortunately, I couldn't find them at the time. I might look again. She was the sweetest thing. Like, they were all super nice. And just the fact that that kindness, I think that keeps me going the most, is the motivation and kindness that this this realm has done for all of us. Exactly. And, I again, like, just hearing that, 
I've had great experiences with people like that, like Chris Rager or Steve Bloom or somebody like that. But then in the back of my mind, too, there's that little flashback to all the wrestling where people were just so quick to take your money, but not really teach you anything. They do that, and then they just throw you out on your own, and you'd never see them again. So, I mean, it's just, again, like the fact that she was able to take that time and make that connection with you at a con where all these other people were lined up to talk to her, get her autograph or whatever it was, and she made that impact on you, that, that says a lot. Yeah, so many. Like, my 12-year-old childhood self is ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Because my coach was Dan Green from Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh, and yeah. I never in a million years would think that he would say, like, you're great. This is for you. And even Chris Sabat, All Might, was like, you were meant to do this. And oh, I'm like, jealous of you on that one. Yeah, he needs to be on here. Hi, Chris. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Have his no, people call me. They're people, too. Exactly. And when you realize that, and you realize that they started from where we are, it's not that different. It's it's like you're talking to a family member. Exactly. And the thing, too, is that, and I'm speaking from experience here, it's hard to remember that sometimes. Because mm-hmm. you you see all these other people succeeding and you feel like, oh, man, I'm just, I should be doing what they're doing. I should be doing this. I should be up on this pedestal like a Chris Sabat or a, or a Chuck Huber or somebody else. I should be up there working with them, but I'm not. I'm not even booking this commercial reader. I'm not even booking this or that. But you forget that it's not a race. It's your own individual your own individual journey that you're on. And these people had the same experiences. These people had the same things you go through, the same trials and self-doubts, the highs, the lows. And when you remember that, it puts a lot more into perspective. And then if you want to get a little more like wide picture on it, with the pandemic too, the VO community has grown that much more. So now it's like, each of us is a small drop in a big pond and everyone else may be going through the exact same things that we are and we just don't even realize it. Like, it, it blows my mind that we get into all this idolization and worship of these people when they're just people like us. They're just where we want to be and we forget that they're human and they went through the same things we did. So, I mean, that... When you actually get to talk with them and work with them, like you said, your 12-year-old self is just over the moon excited. When I did Charlie Adler's workshop a couple uh, months ago, that was my childhood from like four until, we'll still say I'm in my childhood now, 32. And the things I'm doing are making him laugh in class when he's trying to sit there with a stone face. It's like, like, what is life? Like, yeah, it may be a hard journey, but it's not that bad. If I'm able to do cool shit like this, like, ah, it's so awesome. And I just wish more people could realize that, you know? And, and like, if it was smooth sailing for them, they're lying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The thing is, like... And you don't want to be around them. <laughs> no, no, because they will uh, try and sell ice to an Eskimo at that point, too. 
But that is a robot. <laughs> exactly. That or they're uh, working on some pay-to-play site we're not supposed to be on, but we won't talk about that. But, um, mm. yeah, anyway, it's just, like you said, if it's smooth sailing, where is the uh, where's the emotion to that? Because you can't get happy all the time. You're going to be bored after that. You're going to give up. But mm-hmm. the struggle makes you appreciate it more. And I think if more people kept that in perspective, that may avoid a lot of burnout. And that's something I wish I would have kept in the back of my mind when I started. And I know we went on a long tangent just to get to that point. But when you first started, even up until now, like, did you ever hit periods of burnout? Oh, yeah, even before the pandemic, because 2020 was like the worst year of my life. So I had laryngitis. I had COVID. My uncle was sick at the time. I mean, you know the stories. Yeah. But um, I had such bad laryngitis. I was out of commission for two months. And I had an audition right before everything shut down in a studio my first ever studio audition and i couldn't even audition because he said because i had laryngitis he was like we don't want to take chances i mean had i known that i had it obviously i wouldn't have done that right but um it worked out for the better that i didn't get that gig um but it was, I felt miserable because it's like, how am I going to get back from all of this? The rug was pulled from under me. Mm-hmm. Did and, you... you know, come July, I built my studio out of child my childhood bedroom. Nice. With my, the help of my friend Jess and my roommate Amy, they helped me build the studio from the ground up. And I booked my HelloFresh commercial in September. Nice. It was my very first commercial. The ultimate rebound. Exactly. And I just continued to take classes and I continued. And improv was the one that just helped me get better and just keep going and keep me through. And it was wonderful. Like Actors Connection, any class that I had had after the pandemic Mm -hmm. was just like therapy to me. Absolutely. And that's that's Mondays now. Exactly, and my family would not want me to wallow because that was not the type of people they were. They would be very proud of where I am now, and I know it. So I'm Absolutely. doing this for them, but I'm also doing it for me. And I know, like, like the brother-sister dynamic is obviously there, so I, I know for sure you know I'm proud of you. I think everybody in our classes, you can tell they're proud of you too. But, like, just coming to that point where it's like, the floodgates open and it's one bad thing after another. Did the thought ever cross your mind to just throw up the middle fingers and say, I'm done. Like just F it. I I can't do it. You know, like I'm just, I'm fed up. I'm tired. It's not, it's not fair. I don't want to do it. You know, like did that ever cross your mind? Uh, trigger warning. Um, when I lost my uncle, Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to become suicidal. I I understand. Because he was my rock. He was my everything. Like, we did everything together. When my mom was in a rehab facility, you know, we would just visit her every day at the rehab facility. And it was just, you know, that was a part of my life that just ended so suddenly. Absolutely. And I thank God for my support system. Thank God that people were just 
calling me and keeping me going and saying, Hey, we love you. Don't, don't give up. You know, they don't want you to be this way. And I became resilient and I took classes and I started auditioning again. And that's that you just got to keep going. The show must go on. Absolutely. And did you have, did you feel like that was your best way to like, we'll call them demons. Like, did you feel like that was the best way to confront your demons was to just get back into it and stay busy and be resilient? Or did you just put on the brave face, get back into the swing of things. And then just kind of like when you were alone with your thoughts again, confront them. Then what was that process for you? I think it was a gradual thing. I basically just one day at a time. Right. Um, I would talk to people of what I would have to do and help with, you know, certain situations with bills and the cars. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to finally start driving. And I took the initiative to start wanting to drive. And I looked at myself in the mirror and said, I don't look healthy. I'm going to start on my weight loss journey. And through weight loss and my driving and voiceover, I've become, I found myself again. And I think that's the best part because I know like too, you can tell in the confidence now, like even though it's through Zoom when we see each other, like you can tell that you're, you're in a good spot, that you're confident with what you're doing. And like, you know, I know we've, we've all talked where there's been those moments of self-doubt, like with the driver's test and you weren't sure about passing and everything, but I mean, then it's, I really thought I failed. Right. (laughs) I really thought I did because I literally passed by one point, but, but I mean, like you can, you can tell that, things are clicking and that you're in a good spot now just based off of how things are rolling for you. So, I mean, is there like, is there any kind of tip or advice you would give to somebody else who may be in a situation similar to that? One day at a time, uh, find your support circle, even if it's yourself for a while, remember what you're doing and why you loved it to begin with. Mm -hmm. Remember your losses and count them as a blessing and remember that even though they're not with you physically, they're with you in spirit and they're cheering you on. Absolutely. And then just looking at it too, I know like everybody processes things differently and you know, everybody lives their life differently with the driving thing. Was there a reason that you waited until now to to get your driver's license or was that just like uh ah, i never really needed it before and just thought it'd be the next thing to do ah exactly being a city girl you don't really need it my uncle would drive me everywhere he was like my little chauffeur it was adorable he even wrote like uncle's limousine service just as jokes for nice um But after a while, it's like, you know, I have these cars. What am I going to do with them? I can't just let them sit. I don't want to sell them. I'm not ready to give them up yet. Right. I'm over 18. I need the freedom. And it just, I literally, you know, people are like, you think you just wake up one morning and think it? Yeah. I literally woke up one morning. I was like, I'm going to start driving. I like it. So, would, like, I guess getting the license is almost like a, a tribute and a way to hold on to the memory of your uncle? Yeah, and my mom. Beautiful. Yeah. Because they're with us with that. Like, I'll tell you now that when I was practicing on my own, I did 
crashed into a stop sign, crashed into a tree a few times. Yeah, I heard nothing. Yes, and hi, listeners, you heard nothing. Uh, but I didn't get hurt. I stayed calm. And I knew they were looking out for me. So it was just like, okay, that's not going to happen again. But and that's how you learn. You just got to keep going. Absolutely. And I think that's another big thing that a lot of people, and I think it's a lot of today's society, and I've noticed it too, is that people don't like failure. You know, like they mm-hmm. want it. I've had so many surveys at work where when I first started, you know, it was like, would you rather have, do you think you learn better from successes or learn better from failures? And me thinking the answer they wanted to hear was the success thing. I would put that, but then there were, as I started to get more into the job, I started realizing, man, I'm actually doing better now that I'm hearing a lot more no's. Because it's giving me something to work for and trying to go back and figure out where something went wrong. And there was actually a point where there was a meeting and I was the only person when that question came up again that said, I would rather learn from failure than a success. And that explanation, like, it just kind of, I don't know what it was that clicked, but it's like, man, I learn better knowing what I did wrong because if I do it wrong or I do something that you know, upsets somebody or whatever it may be. I want to know what it is so that I can fix it and make sure I don't do it again. That way I can grow not only as a person, but as a professional, as a brother, as a husband, whatever it may be. I learn more that way. And I think more people, not only in this community, but in the world at large would learn more if they were willing to take those chances and fail. I agree wholeheartedly, actually. I mean, Your successes come from your failures. So whether you know it or not, whether you think you're learning more from your successes, the catalyst is still the failure. Exactly. And that's don't success you don't succeed overnight unless you win the lottery and you have like the best luck in the world. Right. But then even those people end up burning out after like two or three years and they're bankrupt again or whatever it may be. Like you've gotta have that foundation there. And it blows my mind like how you'll even see some people in the VO and the acting communities that that shun failure. Like, I'm not going to audition unless I know I'm going to get it. But who knows what other opportunities you're missing out on. Like, yeah, you may miss or we'll say fail at that audition. But like you said earlier, they may not like you for that character, but they may find something for another character that's not even listed that you may be the perfect fit for, but you just missed out on because you weren't willing to try and fail. Yeah, you're just like, one and done? That's Then it's not for you. And it's like, you can't be afraid to be nervous. You can't be afraid to be anxious. And that's that's something that I've had to teach myself the hard way too. And it's like, when I first started doing this, I didn't know the first thing about it. I'm like, cool, I got a microphone. I just built a booth, whatever. Um, but I was nervous to audition. Nobody was listening. I was 100% nervous, but then I had to keep thinking back like, dude, for 11 years, like you traveled from Texas to West Virginia and everywhere in between. And you were in revealing spandex and knee high boots. Like what (laughs) in the hell do you have to be afraid of? And then it's like, when you break that barrier down, whether you get the part or not, 
or you get shortlisted, you get a callback, whatever it is, like, those are the most fun, even if you don't get it. Like, I know I've told you guys after I've done auditions, like, damn, like, I'm tired just from that audition right there. It felt awesome. I didn't get the part, but, man, it was an experience. And if people would stop, like, putting such a negative connotation on failure, they could have experiences like that. And I think it's something that's horrible that all these people are missing out on. Yeah, I mean... If you're going to give up right away, you're not going to realize how far you've come. Exactly. It's, uh, you've got to have thick skin because you've got to be able to take constructive criticism if that person has the time to, you know, to write you back. Unless, you know, you see those random horror stories on Twitter where they post screenshots and the person writing you back is just a complete douchebag, but... You know, like, I've been lucky where I have not had that. Absolutely. But, but I, I've seen mutual friends of ours that have gotten that, and it's just like... Oh, God. Yeah, maybe don't go that far, but you know, like, be willing <laughs> to take those chances. Put yourself out there and be vulnerable just to have fun because not only is that going to be therapeutic for you, like doing this right now is for both of us, but, mm-hmm. man, you're going to get so many different eyes on you. And, like, we both have people on Twitter... That we've never met in person, but if an audition comes up that we may never see and they think that we might be a good fit for it, like they're tagging us left and right. Yeah. And it's like, damn, man, if I had just if I had stayed in my lane and not been brave enough to put my demo reel on this comment thread for somebody to listen to, I I wouldn't be getting these auditions right now. Like I'd just be over here in my corner wondering, am I ever gonna get, you know, am I ever gonna get a chance to do this? Like it just yeah. it blows my mind. Like you've got to be willing to to accept failure if it comes, but you've also got to be willing to put yourself out there and be willing to fail in the hopes that you may succeed. But even if you don't get the role, I don't see it as failure because it doesn't mean you're bad. It just means nope. that the director didn't want you for that specific part. Exactly, and that's kind of. That's what you need to re- that's what people need to realize like it doesn't Bingo. mean you're bad and you should give up. You you just need to keep going and someone will find you. Well, you never know who's listening. Unless you're Ted Cruz auditioning for the Simpsons then you're just bad and need to go away. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm glad you picked up on where I was going because that was like the trip around the world to get to that point. Again, like I'm just sticking with the word failure because that's how so many people identify it. But yeah, no, I understand. If you weren't willing to have that fun and put yourself out there, you wouldn't make these new friends. You wouldn't get noticed for these different things. You wouldn't end up on these different audition lists. You know, like you wouldn't get all this stuff if you were just so timid and nervous and afraid of everything. It's like self sabotage, but you don't realize that you're sabotaging yourself. Right, and it takes a lot to get out of your own head. Like, we all oh, have those yeah. moments. Even the best of the best will have that moment because it's what makes us human, and what makes us human makes us successful. Absolutely. Robin Williams is the prime example of that. Like, oh, yeah. All his... I loved him. Same. Loved like, him so everything much. he went through, all these people would have never known unless he told them, and, you know, unfortunately, we found out the way we did, but... Man, you know, it's like, 
look at that guy. And he may not have been everybody's cup of tea, but he put himself he out there. Exactly. And everybody knew who he was, and we still talk about him now. Like, mm-hmm. you just, you have to be brave. Otherwise, you're, like you said, you're in the wrong profession. Because if you if you think you're a one and done, yeah, you're you're just ultimately taken away from somebody that is passionate about it, and you're doing a disservice. But, you know, if you're in it for the long haul, you've got to build that thick skin and just be ready to have fun. Because that once you get past that initial burn of like, man... I didn't book it, but I got some great criticism and some great feedback that's going to help me next time. I just made three new friends from, you know, auditioning for that. It just keeps exactly. building and building. And that's and the, also, sorry to interrupt. You're fine. Ages. You can start as young as five years mm-hmm. old and you can be in your 80s, 90s and still be doing this. Yep. That's the wonder of this. You know, it's never too late to start. And you hear people like that are on top of the world now, like working for, you know, like let's say Toonami, working for Star Wars, working for, like doing voices on Star Wars, Digimon, whatever it may be. They started maybe in their 30s, but they didn't get picked up and discovered until they were in their 40s. And exactly. then it started. So like there is no age limit on this. And that's the best part because it gives you that chance to go back and be youthful and That's the one thing I keep going back to it is that like, and I'm guilty myself, and I think that's why I keep harping on it, is you miss that chance to go back to the sandbox and play and have fun and just be a kid again. Like, you you miss out on that opportunity if you second guess it or if you live in fear. And I think, you know, like, having people like you to bounce things off of or having our improv group or somebody like Jonathan who is just a wealth of knowledge, like, having those people to talk to makes all the difference in the world for breaking down those insecure barriers to help you bring mm-hmm. those real-life experiences to everything. We need more people like that in the world, especially yes. now. Oh, especially God, yeah. And that is the truth. And if we can do that for someone like the younger generation, then we're doing our job, and I'm happy. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's the biggest part right there is just, like you said, passing it on to the next generation so that you leave it better than you find it. Because if we, you know, if you tank it now, who's going to want to do it? Where does all the entertainment go at that point? It goes to the AI. Yeah, that's a scary thought. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Uh, that's a uh, that's, uh, whole nother... I don't know if I can book one of those for an interview, but we can try. I mean, go for it. Practice it. It's fun. Uh... It's terrifying, but it's fun. I don't want to give away my information, because then they'll take over the podcast and I'll have nothing. Are you sure I'm not a robot right now? Uh, can you identify? Can you identify the traffic lights in the picture? Yellow, blue. Nah. Why is there a blue? <laughs> I was like, why did I say blue? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's improv for you. Yep, a blue traffic light. That's a new one. <sighs> Sucks if you're colorblind. But man, like... <laughs> sunglasses that are blue. That's why. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Blue rose colored shades. But man, yep. we could we could go on like this all night. And I think at some point I'm going to have to have you back on and we're going to have to have a few more of our improv group on as well and just record a spitball session because 
I'm sure you could tell on this, not only was it therapeutic for you, but it was very therapeutic for me to get some of these thoughts out because it is somebody that you've gone through a lot of the same experiences that I'm going through now. And even though you're in like the younger sister role, I'm the big brother, the dynamic is still there where we can help each other. And that's been like a huge, huge help in my, you know, just getting my audition career started. And it's been totally mutual. Absolutely. And I just, I think the more we talk and the more we get more of our improv group in here together, that family dynamic is going to show too. And I hope that's going to show like, just how beneficial this community is and that it really is a family. So if there is somebody out there struggling that thinks like, you know, they're just in this alone, I hope that's going to show them that, man, you've just got to find the right people because it's not going to happen overnight. It may be somebody you just met in passing, but then you reconnect down the road like Marie and I did, and same with Denzel with Chuck Huber's classes. We did one back in June of last year. We didn't connect again until October, November later that year. And then it was like, damn, man, I didn't I didn't really know them outside of like just talking them. But I'm glad to see them again. And now a year later, here we are. You know, it's like yeah. you'll build those relationships. And I think it's ours is a prime example that, man, those people are out there. But you've got to put yourself out there and be willing to accept it when they come into the picture. Exactly. Hey, that's it. I mean, like I, like I said, we could go on all night, and it's <laughs> it's hard to not do that. But I know, whew. I know, we're chatterboxes. But hey, what can you do? <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm definitely gonna have you back on for a part two at some point in the near future. But man, Jen, I really just wanted to thank you for taking your time tonight, and you won't hear it on the final recording here, but. My oldest and my youngest were running around the house when they were supposed to be in bed, so we had to take a few pauses, you know, just to get them squared away. So I appreciate your patience while I was doing the dad thing and getting them back to bed there. But seriously, thank you for coming on, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you for having me, and I will see you again on Monday. That's it. Improv showing. Here we come. Yep. (laughs) All right. We're about to wrap it up here for another week. But we are going to keep the hits coming, and next week we've got another huge guest on the line, and I can't wait for all of you to hear it. Jen, I just want to thank you again for coming on the pod, and I want to thank you for being so open and trusting me to tell your story and talk about your struggles on here. That means the world to me, and I can't wait to have you and the rest of our improv group back on for a group session. So I'm looking forward to that one, and I think the audience is going to enjoy that when we do. And to all you listeners out there, from the bottom of my heart, Thank you again for always tuning in, being so receptive to this podcast, and for sending me the kind notes about how much you've enjoyed the first two episodes, and hopefully we're going to make it lucky number three right here. And Actually, you know what? Scratch that. I know we're going to make it lucky number three right here because Jen had an awesome, amazing, inspirational story to tell. And we're looking to the future now because next week we're going to have another awesome guest on the pod. And she is going to have an amazing story to tell. And we're going to talk about her struggles with adversity, with bullying, moving around a lot as a kid, and how she faced all of this adversity and pulled herself out of the fire and kept plugging away. This is one that you don't want to miss. So tune in next week. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And guys, just be good to one another. The world needs more of that right now. And I know you hear me. This is Flynn. We'll talk to you again next Saturday.
Oh, 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 oh,